0: Thank you, thank you. How's everyone doing? Looking good. Um, My name is Alberto Lopez, like Peter said. I serve here on the college ministry side of things uh, with our ministry, Every Nation. Uh, Before I kind of dive into the text, uh, I don't want to waste this moment to give honor, honor is due, and I do this every time because it's important to me, but I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Pastor Peter. Um, And I'm better because of him and the man and servant and leader that he is, and uh, it 's funny because I, I texted him the other day a screenshot of uh, that beautiful exchange album, uh, and, I, and it really is a precious song to me because it was one of the very first songs I heard when I came to know Christ, and it kind of like embodies like my Christian experience like it 's like a, just a, a precious song. And I texted Peter because he would always sing it back in the day in the LBJ teaching theater, um, and I was like, man I'm just so thankful for you, and so i 'm better because of you, Peter, and this church is better because of you. So can we give it up for Pastor Peter? Fun fact about Peter is that he can be a brother to you, he can be a father, and he can also be that weird cousin that you just do not want to bring around. Uh, but seriously, I love you. <laughs> I love you, I love you, okay? Uh, so we're going to be camped out in, in the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 6. That's where I'm going to be spending the majority of my time. Uh, Mark is a, is a really cool book. It's the second book in the New Testament right after Matthew and uh, it's one of the four synoptic Gospels, one of the, the, the eyewitness testimonies about Jesus. Uh, it's called Mark because it was written by Mark, uh, but it's, it's Peter's testimony. So the Apostle Peter is at some point telling Mark about Jesus, and, and Mark at some point is writing it down. And so if you ever read Mark, you'll notice this reoccurring theme, is that it's super fast-paced. The, the shortest book uh, out of all the Gospels, you can read those 16 chapters in less than an hour if you wanted to. And that's what we kind of see who Peter is in in the New Testament. He's this fast-paced guy uh, running on water, you know, when he can't even swim, uh, just doing crazy stuff. And so uh, we're going to be looking in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. When I first came to know uh, the Lord my freshman year, fall 2011, I had no idea what a Bible was. I didn't know what the New Testament was, what the Old Testament was. And so when I first started reading the Bible, a friend of mine put me on the Bible app. He's like, dude, get the Bible app. You can read it on your phone. It's awesome. And so I did. So when you download the Bible app, the, uh, the, the set translation is, is the King James Version. Now, if you don't know what the King James Version is, it's like this old English translation, super hard to read. Um, and that's what I was reading, like my first semester of Christianity. And so whenever the guys to stopping me would ask, am I reading my Bible? I'd be like, I'm reading it. I just have no idea uh, what I'm reading because it didn't make sense to me. And so one day when I'm back home for Christmas break, a friend of mine introduces me to this. I think he was reading this translation called the NIV or the NLT, which is a super readable, simple translation. And so I changed the setting on my Bible app from the King James Version to that simple version. And I read the book of Matthew overnight because I'd never read the Bible before. And I was like, this is awesome. And so the next book is the book of Mark. And so I start reading Mark, and I'm like, it's the same stuff that's in Matthew, and so I get to about chapter 4, and I just stop reading the Bible. Because I'm like, I know it all. Like, it, it's done. Like, I covered all the bases in Matthew. And so that's what qualifies me to open up to chapter 6, if, if you're wondering. Um, so, thank you, Peter. Uh, we're going <laughs> to be looking in v- at verses uh, 45. If you, have, if you don't have your Bibles with you, they'll be on the screen. It says this. Will you stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word to you, please? Um, it says this. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Verse, for the wind was against him, and about the fourth watch of the night, which is somewhere in between 3 and 6 a.m., With the remaining time I have with you, I kind of want to introduce this idea uh, that God uh, will put us in, in messy situations to kind of go after our hearts. Um, in other words, um, there's, a, there's a quote by a guy named Paul Tripp. He says, God will take us where we did not intend to go in order to produce in us what we cannot on our own. Um, And so what I kind of want to do with this passage is is illustrate that idea, how God will use all types of moments, all types of circumstances, all types of situations to really expose what's inside of our hearts that needs to be more conformed to the image of God so that we can become more like Jesus. And so I kind of have two points that can kind of summarize that up, uh, and that is point number one, God is after our heart, should be on the screen, and two, he makes all things new. And so I hope that as I kind of unpack the scripture that I'll make a bit more sense. Uh, we all pray with me, though. Uh, Father, thank you so much, God, for your word, Father. God, I pray that you would, you would move in our hearts, God, and, and transform us from the inside out, God, that we would leave different here, God, looking more like Christ, God, with a greater desire uh, to glorify you, God, and give you honor in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 6, the disciples are, are in a boat. This is a, a very familiar passage. We've probably heard it preached uh, a million times. Uh, but it's an unfamiliar place for the disciples. Um, the, they're on this boat. All of a sudden, it starts raining, really bad storm, winds everywhere. And, and for us, we can, we can read this, and, and if we look at it like it's just another storm, we'll completely miss what God wants to do uh, in our lives. Um, because there's something purposeful about the storms that God will send in our lives. There's something purposeful about the difficulties that we go through. And so what's interesting to notice is that the disciples um, are in this boat, and they're going crazy. Um, All these grown men are all over the place, freaking out, and they don't know what to do. They're fearing for their lives. And a lot of us can probably relate to that. I mean, we're coming out of like a a Category 4 hurricane. Just a few years ago, we saw the destruction firsthand of a a flash flood. And so the disciples know exactly what kind of situation they're in, and they're fearing for their lives. And yet at some point, and this is the part that confuses me, Jesus starts walking on water. Now, that's not the confusing part. I'm confused by the verse where it says, like, he meant to walk past by them. Like, I I don't get that. Like, he's just going to walk past them and just let them struggle. And and they saw Jesus, and they thought it was a ghost. A a lot of people say that they thought he was a ghost because, Uh, A lot of people had, a lot of fishermen had died in that sea. Like, it wasn't out of the ordinary for fishermen to get caught in that type of storm, die on sea, and then rumors of ghosts walking on water. And so when they saw Jesus, they went crazy. They were terrified, and they thought it was a ghost. And Jesus immediately gets in the boat and tells them to take heart. And I think quite a few things happen in that moment, is that God uses that precious moment to show the disciples, kind of let them in on the glimpse of who Jesus is. That Jesus is really God. Like, who else can can walk on water? Who else can tell uh, the winds and the waves to be still? Except the God that brought all of that into, into movement. Except the God that spoke it into creation. And at the end of the verse, it says this. It says, For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. One commentary kind of says that, that if the disciples had, had understood that it was Jesus, that it was, it, was, it was God who fed those 5,000 people, they would have known it was Jesus walking on water. But what we see happen in the disciples' lives is what happens in our lives. All of a sudden, all it takes is, like, the right circumstance, the right situation, and, and, and we completely forget who God is. I, I don't know about you, but, but this is my story, like— Um, on payday, like I'm happy, I got money, pay all the bills, got no money, and I'm like, God, where are you? You know, Uh, and all it takes is like the right situation to kind of expose that unbelief in our hearts. Two chapters before this, in Mark chapter four, the disciples are on the boat again. This time, it looks a little bit different. Jesus is asleep. Same type of storm. They're fearing for their lives. Jesus wakes up, calms the winds and the waves, and they're like, who is this guy that calms the winds and the waves? And they get another picture of Jesus' divinity. Like, this guy is God. And yet something happens in between those two chapters, and, and they're in this place again, and, 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 and they have forgotten. They couldn't get it. In fact, after Mark chapter, after Mac, Mark chapter 4, the disciples are in a boat. And again, once again, in a storm, he calms the winds and the waves, Two chapters later, actually the day before, Jesus is out feeding 5,000 people. Now, it's not out of the ordinary to, uh, fast food establishment to feed 5,000 people throughout the course of its day. But for a person to do it with just like a kid's lunchable, like a couple loaves of fish and some bread, like that's supernatural. And the disciples are seeing this firsthand. They're seeing Jesus do incredible things. And yet, like, a few hours later, they're in a boat, and they completely forget, like, Jesus. They they, they take their eyes off Christ, and now all of a sudden, it seems like the winds and the waves and everything around them has a louder voice in their heart. And I want to ask the question, why is that? Where does that come from? And I believe that our lack of remembering God in those types of situations, um, our unfaithfulness, um, our behavior, the way we respond to things, is directly rooted in the heart. Because from the heart flows who our behaviors. Uh, Jesus says in the following chapter, in, in, in Mark chapter 7, when he's asked what defiles a person, he says, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. And so in this moment, Jesus is not after the storm. He's after the boys in the boat, and he's after their hearts. And if we can get this rooted in our soul that, that in all of our life experiences, God is after our hearts because he's using our life to conform us more and more to his image, we can begin to see more purpose in what we're going through. But why does he go after the heart? What is the heart? Um, I was a science major. Uh, I know the heart is like a cardiovascular organ and that's about it. Um, pumps blood. Uh, but the Bible describes the heart a bit differently. There's, there's this outer person and then there's the inner person, and that inner person is the heart. It's who you are, uh, the mind, the will, the emotions, the soul. Those are aspects of the heart, and so who you are is on the inside. When we say we're getting to know a person, we never say, hey, I, I'm getting to know their, their, their physical appearance. We may notice that, but you never say like, oh, yeah, I know that person really well because their shoe size is this, their waist size is that. And this is how tall they are. No, we're getting to know the person on the inside because that's who they really are. And so what does the Bible say about the heart? The Bible's kind of mean about the heart, to be honest with you. Uh, Jeremiah verse 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful. So our hearts are wicked and they do sinful things. Uh, the reason sinful people do sinful things is because our hearts are sinful. And from our heart flows this behavior. In Genesis chapter 3, we're in perfect relationship with God. I mean, in Genesis, we're in perfect relationship with God. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see this relationship severed. And sin now has tainted our hearts. And instead of worshiping God, we worship other things. Instead of our hearts being captivated by the glory of God, they're captivated by other stuff. And on top of that, the verse goes a step further. It not only says that that our hearts... Are, are deceitful, apart from Christ. They're, they're, it's desperately sick. Now, the Hebrew word there, I, I can't pronounce, but I know that it, it means that it's incurable. Like, it's not fixable. And so not only do we have a heart that is wicked and deceitful, but we can't fix it. And so this is what the gospel is all about. Is that we need a heart transplant. We need a a heart change. And Jesus is the only one that can accomplish that for us. And He accomplishes that for us by His life, His death, and His resurrection. You see, He not only died for my sin, He dealt with my sin too. And he, like we sing that song, what, what can make me white as snow? Only the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse my heart and change me from the inside out. And the heart is the target. God is after our hearts. Because from our heart, that's where true worship flows. Our hearts reveal what we believe in. Not our situations or our circumstances. Those just expose it. And now the disciples are in this place where their hearts are being Exposed. There's, there, there's, there's, there's some fear there. there. There's some unbelief. And it's just like Jesus to do whatever he can to go after the boys in the boat. And they see him walking on water. And what's more captivating than seeing the Savior of the world walking on water? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and they're in all of that. They're like, oh man, this guy is surely the Christ. Uh, and eventually they'll get that that revelation, but he's he's going after their, their hearts and and in our own lives, if we can kind of take a step back and re examine what we're going through, we'll see that, that that God is trying to produce in us something that we cannot produce on our own. And he's taking us to places that we did not want to go in order to do that. The reason they're in the storm is because Jesus told them to get in the boat and then they went out to sea. Serving God will do that. It will take you to places you did not want to go precisely because he wants to produce in you something you could not on your own, because he's after your heart. And he's changing us daily from the inside out, crafting faith, maturing us. He's after the heart. And so the the second point is that that he makes all things new. and, and if we can kind of always have that in the back of our mind, that, that, that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what my immediate storm looks like, that he's using that moment to craft faith in my life because he's conforming me more and more to his image. So that could be a vessel that gives him glory. All of a sudden, things make more sense. Um, I know for me, like, um, I got recently engaged. I can say that, yeah. June 2nd, say the date. Uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. It's going to be awesome. Um, I, uh, I never kind of, like, realized how impatient I can be until I, like, got engaged. Because, like, I love wedding planning. I do. It's all, I got a Google Drive. It's really organized. My fiancé does not like wedding planning. And I'm like, I need you to come up with a guest list, and she can do certain things that make me impatient. But it's not the the, the circumstance that's making me impatient. It's only revealing the impatience that's already in my heart. And if I can be really, if we can be in tune with that, we can see more clearly what God wants to do in our lives. But if if we're not as in tune with that idea that, that God is using everything to expose us, reveal what's inside of us, that needs to be conformed to the image of God, we'll miss out on what he wants to do in our lives. And all of a sudden, we'll grow bitter. I can grow bitter towards my fiance, like, update the Google sheet, (laughs) you know, instead of me saying, man, like, I'm super sinful, and I need Jesus in this area of my life, and I need him to change me. All of a sudden, things look a lot more differently, and I think this is the the journey that God's taking us on. Um, God is after your heart, and he's making all things new. And Jesus is the only one that can change our hearts. Jesus is the only one that can transform us from the inside out. Apart from him, we're just wicked and deceitful. And so we constantly need Jesus. We constantly need to be in tune with God. And so practically, what does that look like? I think it looks like what Jesus said, take heart, like remembering who God is, being more captivated by his glory than immediately what's going on around us. Being more captivated by, by the risen Savior who, who died for my sin, who lived for me, and has given me eternal life puts a lot of things into perspective. And two, just simply remembering. Remembering his faithfulness. Remembering that, that he's doing something in our lives, that he's crafting faith in our lives, that he's using faith Storms in our lives. He's using uncertainties, difficulties, bad relationships to craft faith in our lives, to make us more like Him, so that we can be vessels that give Him glory. Uh, now, I don't know w- where you are today. Uh, maybe you, you walked in here and, and you don't have that relationship with Christ. Maybe you're a seasoned Christian and God is continuing to cultivate faith in your heart. Uh, I want to pray for both groups. And so uh, as I transition into prayer with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe there's, there, there's people here who don't have that relationship with Christ, and you need your heart to be changed. And, and, and you're in a, a difficult place, and I, I would like to say that you're there precisely because that's where God wants you to be. And he wants to get your attention the way he got the disciples' attention on the boat. And then there's this other group uh, that maybe you've been following Christ for a while now. Um, and you might be in that place, that, that, that difficult place. Uh, and God's trying to do work in your heart. And maybe you just need that grace to, to step back. And be able to say like, God, what is it that you want to do in my life right now? What is it that you want to change in me so that I can be more like Christ? If that's you, I I would like to pray into that too.